In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to ask you a question, dear listener. Have you told a friend about this podcast yet? There really is no other podcast out there like this for hearing stories from within today's breast cancer community. Do me a favor and share today's episode with a friend. All right, here we go. Today, we're going to hear a piece about a cancer diagnosis meeting you exactly where you are on life's path. I've learned after 10 years of being in cancer land that cancer isn't a detour. You don't really put your life on pause and deal with cancer in a vacuum and then go back to your life. No, cancer gets folded into the fabric of your existence. For a long time, it might become the dominant theme, but even as it fades, it's still there. Same with other traumas. When cancer comes, you don't become a blank slate on which you focus on cancer alone. Instead, all the things you've experienced up until that point color, to some extent, your experience of cancer as well. Cancer finds you where you are, which sometimes is long after treatment, deep in the woods in a cabin, grieving the loss of a friend who passed away years earlier. That's where my guest today found herself, in a cabin wondering what had happened to her life and where to go from there. Her life was changed by the arrival of breast cancer and with it a reminder of her own mortality, but she was no stranger to death because years before, a close friend had died tragically. Like I said, no one really tells you this, but I've seen it again and again. All the things that happened to you in life preceding the diagnosis day, well, they all come again to the surface after diagnosis because we're more than our cancer. We are a rich tapestry of life's experiences, the good, the bad, all mixed together. You can't face cancer without also facing the other things or bringing to your cancer experience the lessons you've learned before. I've yet to meet a single person for whom cancer is the sole hard thing to come along. Most of us have traveled the ups and downs of life's path before, even though we've all come to face cancer quite early. My guest today is Julie Stonefelt. Julie was 35 when she was diagnosed with stage 2 DCIS and mucinous carcinoma. Now, she is a park ranger in the Cascade Mountains of Washington State and a co-founder of Wild Homestead Living. Welcome to The Burn, Julie. Thank you so much for having me, April. Yeah, thank you. So you're here today to read a piece that you wrote for our 2022 Cancer Culture Issue. This was an issue in which we talked specifically about what it means to be diagnosed with breast cancer young today, and your piece is called After Death Leaves Its Calling Card. So I'm going to pass the mic over to you, and for everyone listening, stay tuned to the end for a writing prompt inspired by our chat today. All right, Julie, I'll let you take it away. 
Thank you. A lesson I learned about life from my cancer experience is that while death has left its calling card, I've also been given a strange gift. Sitting in the chair next to my husband, I didn't feel sad at the news I had cancer. I'd already become well acquainted with grief and loss. At the age of 35, I knew I could handle this too. My first question was to ask if my husband was okay. At that moment, I had no idea what lay ahead. I grew up very fast in a family full of secrets around mental and physical health issues. At a young age, I became a primary caretaker. This required me to keep most people at a distance, but through it all, I had my best friend, Erica. From the age of five, our lives and families were intertwined. When our siblings were born three days apart, we plotted for them to one day marry so we could become true sisters. That dream and many others died with her when I was 20. On a mountain pass in Colorado, Erica lost her life in a terrible accident. I spent the next 15 years learning how to bear that loss. As I became an adult, I focused on developing a career in service to the wild animals and wild places we both loved. Like so many life passages that had come before, when I received my diagnosis, I longed to sit down with her over a cup of tea to talk about it. But over the years, I learned to wrap that grief around me and continue on. All through treatment, I was focused on the end goal, get through to the other side. I sailed through my left breast mastectomy, defying the timelines for recovery. I managed the hormone pills with minimal side effects. But when I walked away from the implant recovery surgery, I didn't feel victorious. I was no longer the woman who had been sitting in that chair the year before. I tried to get back to her, that former version of myself. I pushed through pain on epic hikes. But over the next year, all of the stitches holding my implant in place pulled out. My chest looked like a lump of vanilla ice cream sliding down a wall. I was constantly reminded, both inside and out, that I was no longer the woman I had been. Through treatment, I had been focused on the horizon, on surviving. At the same time, little pieces of my former self had fallen away. I was so confused. Everyone around me was ready to rejoice at my survival, but I couldn't bring myself to share their joy. Things that had seemed so important to me before no longer mattered. I did not understand how I could feel so lost when I had suffered far less than many women. I had not had to endure chemo or radiation. I had not lost my hair. My husband had stuck by my side. What was wrong with me? When I realized I could never go back to the person I was before cancer, I freaked out. <laughs> I went to live in a cabin in the woods along a river that was owned by an old friend. I told my husband I wasn't sure if we could stay married. It was then I started to grieve my lost body part and my old life. And then something happened. I looked at my life, completely cleared of all expectations, and I realized I was free to create something new. Just like new life springing from the forest floor after a fire, I could plant new seeds. Sitting along the river, I thought about Erica. I thought about one of our childhood dreams I had long ago put on a shelf to collect dust. That dream was to live in a cabin in the woods where we would make what was needed for our own survival. I realized it was time to stop speculating on my dreams and to start living them with whatever time I had left on this earth. Eventually, I had the implant removed and had a deep flap reconstruction surgery. The recovery was grueling, but the procedure solved many of the physical issues. My husband and I found our way back to each other. 
With the help of family, we left Seattle and moved to our own acreage in rural Washington state. I can honestly say that I'm happier than I have ever been in my life. While death has left its calling card and I still carry the grief and loss of all I have endured, I have also been given a strange gift. I have been given the chance to rise from the ashes of my old life. As I let go of fear, I am creating something completely new and real and beautiful. I'm healing from a lifetime of loss in ways I never expected. I'm helping others find joy and connection with the world. I think Erica would be delighted. Mm. Thank you so much for that, Julia. That was beautiful. It was a pleasure to hear you read it. So let's take a little break here. Yeah, absolutely. We'll take a little break here. Let you catch your breath. We will come back after this testimonial. Hi, my name is Vanessa. And in 2021, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 44 in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I read Wildfire magazine and attended a wildfire writing workshop. This led to my story being shared in the magazine and it felt relieving and inspiring to share my story. Before finding Wildfire, I was struggling with cultural discomfort and isolation. But now I feel like a trailblazer to finally speak about hidden shame so publicly. Thank you so much for the love, Vanessa. Welcome back, Julie. Thank you again for your powerful writing and for um, bringing us into to this new phase for you, this new life you're creating. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for the opportunity to have this chance to write my story and reflect on my experience in a new way and to share it with others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let me, um, why don't we just dive right into the writing um, and let me ask you a question um, that you may have heard me ask others before. It's one of my favorites. My um, fire starters will especially recognize this question, but I want to ask you, why this story now? Why this story now? That's a great question. Why this story now? I, oh my gosh, that's such a good question. Um, you know, for me, the the loss of my dear friend at a young age and the the experiences I had really to become a survivor steeled me in a way. And um I I became really strong and in, in sort of a, a rigid and distant way. And there was something about going through cancer that changed me. And I know I'm not alone in that. And so many people have experienced that. And I I wanted to write about how those things are deeply connected for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm often asked by people who didn't know me when I was younger or who didn't know me when I'm going through cancer, why we left the city, why we're living in the middle of the woods, why I'm growing my own food and doing these things that seem like a lot of work. And it really was a childhood dream as well as a way that has brought me a lot of peace and healing after my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I love all of this. And listening to you, I'm thinking about, um, you know, you said you kind of had to develop this strong exterior, you know, when you were um, caregiving at a young age. 
And that is so different from the the skills required to tell a story. You know, we open up and we become vulnerable. And in a way, I hope you feel this is true too. I have found that that that's where my strength now lies. And it wasn't in the rigidity and the the trying to steal myself. Would you say you're experiencing that too? Absolutely. I feel like that that former version of myself that I lost through surviving cancer was more like a really strong set of armor that slowly burned away. And afterwards I, I felt really lost. And um and at the time I felt a lot of guilt and shame about that because I couldn't find other young women who'd survived and had that experience. But what this writing this story and and reflecting on my survival has helped me realize is that thing that felt like a breakdown at the time was really a breakthrough and has allowed me to find that kind of happiness and joy and connect with other people and the world in a really authentic way. Yes. I'm forgetting who said it offhand now, but there's this idea of your heart breaking open, you know, instead of just breaking to pieces, right? Like, yeah. And, and this idea of the only way through is through. You have to feel it. So let me bring you back if if it's okay to Erica. And you mm-hmm. said in your story that you learned to wrap her death around you. And I wonder if you could just tell us a little more cuz I feel like this is this is that vulnerability, right? In in feeling it mm-hmm. and enveloping yourself in it. So what did what did that look like for you and how did you realize you needed to do that? Yeah. And I think that that really ties into the theme of the the publication that mine was in about mm. cancer culture, because I have never been a joiner. I've never been part of a club or felt like I'm in the in crowd. I've always been, you know, a, a little bit on the outside, except for having that friend, that really close person to me. So um, when I lost her, I I didn't feel like I had much of a connection or a tether to a lot of parts of my life. And so I almost, I still had, but I still feel this relationship with her, even though she's actually been dead now for 23 years. Mm -hmm. And so I, on my own, had to learn how to sort of carry that grief and that love for her on because I didn't have a community or culture to really understand that, especially dying so young. And so it just became a way to sort of keep that relationship with her alive and just learn to mourn that loss because I didn't have anybody I could really share that with either. And there are all all sorts of ways that I still find her showing up in my life, but also, um, you know, feel the loss and the loneliness. And I used to shut that out and shut that away as a way to survive. Um, But when I I went through cancer, I had to sort of, instead of choose her or choose our families or choose being strong, I had to start choosing me in a new way. And, and that caused me to have to process that, that grief in a new way. And in, in a certain sense to let go of that loss. Mm -hmm. 
I hope that makes sense. It's something that writing yeah. about it has really helped me to to see differently. Yes. And and just as you were talking, you know, I'm thinking about that shift from, you know, being a caregiver, being the friend of someone who passed away to using writing to kind of recenter. And I I've talked about this and I think about it as, you know, what would it look like to be the main character of your own story? And it does take reorientation and a lot of writing to find a way to do that, especially if your personality is that you take care of others or you let others take kind of center stage. Yes, it's true. And um, writing this story ended up having a a different side effect that I didn't expect um, in that my husband and I, we've been together for 20 years, except for that brief moment when I freaked out and lived in the cabin in the woods by myself. Um, but writing about Erica, who's been dead for 23 years, like he often feels like she is a part of our life and our relationships, even though he never got to meet her, but reading my story about her and the influence she's had in my life helped him understand it in a really different way Mm. and helped him see how that's shaped me. Mm. So that was a really powerful healing process, not just for me, but for my marriage. I love hearing that. I do think it's really different than, you know, sitting around and talking versus, okay, and here's, here's 10 minutes of just, you know, my internal dialogue and my experience of the world. And it really is. Yeah. I should probably be doing that. I need to write more stories for my husband. I think for sure. I love that you shared that. Um, I want to ask you, um, so all of this after your experience of Erica's death, your experience in the woods, you know, survivorship coming on, now you're living this homestead life. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I would love to. So um, we were living in the city at the time I was diagnosed. I, I am a park ranger, so I, I work in the mountains, um, but I would drive out there every day. And I just realized that that dream I had that seemed so impossible was something I didn't want to uh, give up anymore. And, you know, in death leaving its calling card, it makes it really real that we all know our time is limited, but it's more immediate for those of us who have survived. So I really just wanted to find the courage to live my dream. And so that took talking to my husband about being ready for that, talking to my family and planning, and we made it happen. We moved out to the country on a couple of acres. And even though I knew it was my dream for so long to actually make it happen, just has brought such tremendous joy and happiness to be out here, to be learning how to grow our own food. And in the process of learning and connecting with people online, I've found that there are a lot of other people like me who've either made this dream come true because of significant trauma or health scares, or there's people who are longing to do it and that I could help them by making my own dream come true and realize that people don't have to get cancer and nearly die, that they could just make their dreams come true now. And so it's really inspired me to just live a more joyful life and help other people connect with their dreams to come and live this way too. I love that. I love everything about that. It's very inspiring. Is there anything else that you're writing these days that you're thinking about writing? Like how, this is my last question for you, but how does writing fit in your, in your life today? 
Writing has really become an essential part of my life. And um, I write a lot of how-to stuff like, you know, how to make sourdough bread and how to grow gardens. But really, I'm I'm more interested in how these things can be a path to healing. Mm-hmm. As part of what I love about the burn and about wildfire is they give people who've gone through a really unique experience, a platform to write and to heal. And um, I, I've continued to do that after my story and I'm continuing to write in those ways. I'm currently right now writing about what it's like to live with chronic illness mm-hmm. and chronic pain as a homesteader, because a lot of what my lifestyle is, it's very physical. But when I had the implant, um, I had a lot of physical pain as well. And my life, my life even now looks a little different than a lot of other people who are living this way. So I think it's important for me for my own healing. It's important to have clarity and understand my experience. And also it's really important for me to write and share publicly so that other people realize they're not alone. I was diagnosed almost eight years ago now. And at that time I had a really difficult time finding other young survivors who had actually lived and gone through what I'd gone through. And I did feel a lot of isolation and shame and guilt for not being ready to put on the pink cape and be the hero that flew into the world. And so I hope that my story can help other people realize that however you feel on the other side of diagnosis and survivorship is okay. And that I really just want each each woman who hears this to choose you, choose yourself, whatever your dream is, that this is an opportunity for, for your heart to break open and break through in whatever way that looks like. Mine was going from cancer to country living. There's many other ways that it can look, but I just hope that each person chooses them. Yes. All of that. Yes. I mean, you know, um, because of probably your, um, you know, your call to nature and all of that, but I'm thinking so much about my own personal use of the wildfire metaphor, you know, in wildfire. Yes. It's just like, let's, let's let something grow in these, these ashes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the perfect metaphor. And for me as a park ranger who does spend a lot of time in the woods and has dealt with wildfire, it just, it hit me as so perfect and beautiful. And I continue to use it as a way to understand my own experience. And I'm so grateful for your courage and vision to create this place for other women to do that as well. Mm, Thank you so much. Yeah. And likewise, we just need, we need the bravery of those who have found their voice to continue to use it to help others then find their own voices. And we just keep sharing these stories. So like you said, everyone can know that their experience is valid and their path through it is, it's, I don't know, I'm struggling with the word because it's as individual as each of us, you know, there is no one way or right way. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you again, Julie, for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, April. I really appreciate it too. I appreciate you in this time. 
Definitely. So let me tell everyone again that your name is Julie Stonefeld and your piece was called After Death Leaves Its Calling Card from our recent, our February, March cancer culture issue. So Julie, where can people find you or learn more about you online? People can find me on almost all social media channels under Wild Homestead Living. That's the name of the project where I help people to learn to live more sustainable lives, whether they're in the city, country, or somewhere in between. Perfect. We will link to you as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's chat with Julie. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our now 36 issues in the Wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There's no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. Don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. And if you like what you hear, leave us a starred review to help others find their way to writing the stories that need to be told. Here at last is your writing prompt. So we were talking at the end of our chat, Julie and I, about her daring to live the life that she was called to live. So my writing prompt for you is if it didn't have to be perfect, I would try. If it didn't have to be perfect, I would try. What would it look like for you to have the courage to live some of your dreams? Set your timer for eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out, where it will take you. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.